0: Guess, kind of following with last week, I want to just look at a very short scripture today. Again, it's found in two places, so I'm going to read both of them. The first one is in Matthew chapter 13, and it's just one verse. Matthew chapter 13, verse 33. As you turn there, you'll probably notice in Matthew, Matthew has a lot of parables uh, inside of the book, and this is. In the midst of many of the parables that Christ is telling. See the parable of the sower and of the weeds and the mustard seed. And then right after that, there's one more. Very short. Matthew 13, And he told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like the leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour until it was all leavened. Very short. And if you will, turn to Luke. Luke's is divided into two verses. Luke chapter 13 as well. Luke chapter 13. And let me just read uh, a couple of verses before because it kind of is a very similar parable that's given here. So Luke chapter 13, I want to read with verse 18 to start with. And he said, Therefore, what is the kingdom of God like? And to what shall I compare it? It is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his garden, and it became a tree, and the birds of the air made their nests and its branches. And then picking up in verse 20, he says, And again he said, To what shall I compare the kingdom of God? It is like the leaven that the woman took and hid in three measures of flour until it was all leavened. And so this is a comparison, a parable talking about what the kingdom of God is like. And often as we see probably verses that we may skip over because they're very small and very short, a very short parable compared to some of the others and oftentimes included with others. So leaven or you may call yeast is what is being talked about here. This is actually talked about quite a bit in scripture, both from a literal standpoint like how you make bread, either with or without it, but also as a figurative way to explain uh, certain truths. And, of course, in this case, it's talking about it figuratively. But we know the literal cases, we talked about uh, leaven or yeast. I'll probably use both of those interchangeably. It means the same thing in this case. We know that early on, if you remember in the book of Exodus, or if you've been reading along recently, you'll recall that about uh, the time the Israelites were finally released from bondage, they were told to go back to their homes, to sacrifice the lambs, to put the blood on the doors and the mantle, and then to make bread, but to not put any yeast or leaven in it so it wouldn't rise. And the idea was that they would eat this meal, if you remember, fully dressed, ready to go with haste. And leaven or yeast is the agent that causes bread to rise and it takes a little bit of time for that to happen. And so this was an important symbolic thing that they would be leaving very quickly to take what they had and to go. And then of course this festival is repeated uh, over and over again in history. So sometimes again that we're talking about a literal way of actually preparing bread. Other times it's more figurative and we have seen Christ Uh, talk about this and also Paul talk about this in some of the epistles and we are warned that oftentimes when we're talking about yeast or about leaven we're talking about sin that gets infected inside of us and it grows and it grows and it has to be removed Paul talked about this and he gave the example of when you have a sin that is growing inside the church you have to remove those who are responsible for it and to kind of start over again And we're also warned to make sure that, uh, as Christ pointed out against the Pharisees, that this yeast does not grow um, as well. If you go, actually, Luke chapter 12, verse 1, it gives an example of this. It says, in the meantime, when so many thousands of people had gathered together, that they were trampling one another, he began to say to his disciples first, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Nothing is covered up that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. Therefore, whatever you have said in the darkness, be heard in the light, and whatever you have whispered in private rooms shall be proclaimed on the housetop. And so here he's using the example of Levin saying that this hypocrisy that's within the very nature of who the Pharisees are, that it's it's causing a problem throughout everything. And if you know a little bit about Levin... And yeast, which some of us probably do and many of us probably don't, you add just a little bit to a batch of dough. And again, it changes the very structure of that dough, causes it to rise and goes from a very flat, thick bread to a very fluffy pastry. I don't know how (laughs) else to describe it. So here I want to talk about, this may seem like an unusual thing to compare the kingdom of heaven to, right? We're talking about something you add to bread to make it rise. So how is this a comparison? How should we understand the kingdom of God based on what we know about yeast and about leaven? So let me give you a couple explanations here that might help us understand. The kingdom of God may begin very small, but tends to increase. If you think about yeast or leaven, it's a A couple pinchfuls, not a whole lot that you put inside a bread, you knead it together and it permeates and goes out through the entire piece of bread. And if you step back and think about the gospel, you think about Christ coming as the one who explains and lives out and dies for our sins as the gospel. And then he commissions just a few people to go out into the world to share that gospel, just like the little bit of leaven is good for all the bread. It doesn't take a whole lot of the gospel of Jesus Christ to spread and get into all of our culture when we live it the way that we should. And so these little tiny microscopic bits of leaven and yeast, we add them inside the dough, it causes it to change. And so similarly, the gospel begins with just a few people. And we go out into the world and we share the message and the message of the Spirit of Christ will grow inside of the world and will change it. The other thing that I think is really important for us to understand about this is that the kingdom of God, the, the influence and the way that it changes the world is from the inside out. Now, most of us don't do things this way. We think about changing the outward man or the outward appearance and not necessarily the inside. But if you just take leaven or yeast and sprinkle it on the outside of the dough before you do much else with it, it doesn't do a whole lot. You have to actually get it inside. It has to be something that changes from the inside all the way to the outside. And we know that God changes the heart of an individual from the inside. And then we see the difference on the outside. Ezekiel 36 and 26 says, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit. I will put within you and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. Now, let me just pause here for just a minute and explain something that's, I think, very important. And sometimes we either uh, don't understand correctly or we're just too quick sometimes not to remember. If you see this here, it says, I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and carefully to obey my rules. Notice the order. It doesn't say get your life together, walk cleanly, obey my rules. And when you do good enough, I'll put my spirit inside of you. That's like taking the leaven and the yeast and sprinkling it on top of the bread. It doesn't really do anything. The goal and the purpose here is to have your heart, your very life, the very essence of who you are change to reflect Christ. And then we see the outward things begin to change, right? We take the yeast and the leaven and we knead it inside the dough. We mix it up. It changes from the outside and becomes a different form. And it is the same way when we follow after Christ, when we are saved, we are a new creation, a new creature from the inside. And gradually, as time goes along, we begin to be able to see a difference from the outside. But if we rely on our own strength to clean ourselves up, we will always fail. The bread will never rise if we just sprinkle it over the top. We have to rely on, on the Holy Spirit's work that starts internally to us and grows outwards. And so similarly, we can say that the gospel's influence on the culture works the same way. We as Christians should be agents of change, living in a culture, going about in our families, in our homes, in our places of work, in our schools, with our Friends, any sphere of influence that we have and sprinkling the gospel, if you will, inside the lives of others so that they too can be changed from the inside out. I remember many years ago, I was at a little conference, I guess, if you will. It was mainly a bunch of pastors getting together. And one of the questions that was posed uh, proposed was how do we get people to start coming back to church more how do we get people to be active in the church how do we get people to well fill in the blank and a gentleman stood up he said something and i remember the discussion and the way the discussion was going and i felt like it had great value and he got up and he said something and he just repeated it over and over again to the point it kind of made me upset until many years later i've Reflected and think he was right. Some of you met him. He actually came down for the ordination a number of years ago. But he stood up and his big, booming West Virginia voice said very clearly, I can tell you what to do get him saved. And over and over and over again, his booming voice, he listed everything we talked about. You want more people in church? Get him saved. You want people to come more often? Get them saved. And the further I've gotten away from that, the more I've realized that's absolutely true. Now, let me expound that a little bit more. We want better people in our government? Get them saved. Let them be changed from the inside out don't try and restrict them. we can pass all the laws we want to and say you have to show us what you're doing you have to be transparent you can't accept bribes you can't do this you have to do this you have to tell us the truth but the reality is if we get people saved by the power of God and it changes their hearts from the inside out we see different things and all we want to do is walk up and kind of sprinkle a little bit of yeast on top think that's going to make the bread rise We want to change things from the outside when the answer is to get people saved, to let them know the power of God that changes the heart and lets them then walk after him. You want better teachers? Get them saved. You want better boss? Get them saved. You want better church attendees? Some of y'all need to be saved. That's the answer for everything. And as frustrating as it was, when I sat there and listened to him pound that over and over and over again, even though I knew he was right, somehow it took a little more maturity to fully understand what he was saying. We can try and change the outside all we want. But this parable about the kingdom of God, it starts from the inside. It starts when we get that new heart. We can mess with the outside all we want to. But if we really want something to change need to be saved. We're in a bad relationship. Somebody needs to be saved. We could go on and on. Another thing that I've noticed here about this yeast and this leaven, that the effect that it has on a piece of bread is, uh, you could say, comprehensive. It changes the whole thing. Just a little bit, you knead it in, and the whole loaf, everything about its structure, is changed. It's the same as I mentioned before when we're saved. Everything about who we are begins to actually change. It's worked into the dough and its impact is felt everywhere. And so too, if we abide and follow what God has told us to do, if we, as those who are changed, go with the power of God and take his spirit and help other people see the spirit by sharing what God has done for us, By telling them about the truth of the gospel, about who Jesus Christ is, and see their lives changed, we begin to see it changes the whole person, and eventually, the whole world. And we may sit back, and trust me, I've done it a lot, a whole lot, come up on two years, and bemoan, and cry, and wail, and be worried about where we are in our society, and to some degree, I'm not taking that back. But at the same token, I could spend all my time doing that and never sharing the gospel. And what have I changed? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. My job as a changed person is to go out and tell the world about Jesus Christ. Let me make sure I rephrase this and make it very clear. Your job as a saved individual is to go out and to tell the world about Jesus Christ and when you do that you are sprinkling and kneading into the society the yeast and the leaven that changes the very structure and nature of it it's your job it's not just my job if you know the power of God then it's your job to share it eventually everyone submits Habakkuk 2 and 24 says, The earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the water covers the sea. How thoroughly does the water cover the sea? Completely. At some point in time, when God finally says enough, when no one has any more chance anymore... He will rule with complete power and complete authority over the world. And until that time, we are here and we have an opportunity. You have an opportunity to take the gospel and to share it with someone else. And it will literally change the structure and nature of the world. So bring these two points together. You don't like the culture we're living in? You can try and change it from the outside, but it won't have much effect. Go from the inside. Show them the love and grace and mercy and peace that you have and tell them where it came from. That will change the world. There's something else we notice about this leaven and this yeast. It's kind of invisible. I mean, you can see it when you put it in, but it's really small. Hence, uh, when I read in Luke here, it talked about a mustard seed, which, if you don't know, also is like really tiny. But you put this little bit of yeast, this little bit of leaven in, and then you just like put it in the bread, you mix it all together, and you let it sit there. And you can kind of see it rising, but you can't really see what it's doing. But silently and secretly, but what we do see is the effect of it. Right? I don't see the Spirit of God, but I see the effects of how He works in my life and in yours. And so the kingdom of God is the same way. I don't physically see the Spirit. I may not physically hear the Spirit of God, but I know the Spirit of God is here, and I know it partially because of the effects that I see, the impact that I see. God works in our lives in invisible ways, but the impact is incredibly Apparent. Second Corinthians five seventeen says, "Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new crea- creation. The old has passed away; behold, the new has come." Now, I think I quoted that maybe last week or the week before, or maybe both times. But there is a lot of deep importance in this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, if he's a new creature, a new creation, the old has passed away; behold, the new has come. So, you take a bunch of yeast and knead it into the dough and you come back, it doesn't look the same. The form is similar, but the shape is different. And so, while my body does not actually change when I become saved, when I am a Christian, when I am saved by God's grace, the very nature and structure of who I am changes on the inside, then it should be evident on the outside that something has changed. Have you changed? Do you look different as a Christian? Can other people see that you are different now? The power of God working inside of you. Have you been sanctified? Set apart? See, sanctification is the continual process of being set aside and growing closer to God. To being more and more righteous. Never perfect in that sense, but more and more righteous. And we do that through the power of God that lives inside of us, those of us who were saved. 2 Corinthians 13 and 4 says, for I was, I'm sorry, for he was crucified in weakness, but lives by the power of God. For we also are weak in him, but in dealing with you, we will live by the power of God. See, it's not my own doing. It's the power of God who lives inside of me. It's the power of God just like the yeast, that changes the very nature of who I am that others can see from the outside that there's been a difference. And we really should consider how much of a difference there has been. One last point about this yeast and the leaven. This takes time. It isn't an immediate response. We don't knead in the yeast and the leaven and then instantly get what we're looking for in fact you could even say that this takes a long time and maybe we should even prove it those of you who bake bread see the double meaning there just for those who don't you will take yeast or leaven and mix it in with the bread and then you usually let it sit for a period of time to prove or proof kind of ironic isn't it we prove or prove the dough What does the bible say about your salvation to work out your own salvation to prove to yourself that you're different the gospel will spread even if it's slow through an entire world or through an individual believer and over time we will prove who christ is by the way that we live Sometimes we make good progress and sometimes we're slow. But the idea is that we are proving who Christ is. Now I'm going to read you a uh, section of scripture out of the voice translation. I chose this one because of the way it says it, but this concept is very vividly within the text. It just isn't always translated this way, but the concept's there. This is Paul who's telling others and he is um, taking up for himself as a apostle of Christ. And he says this in 1 Corinthians 9 and 2. Even if others don't recognize that I am his emissary, at least you do. Because you are the real, the living proof that the Lord has commissioned me to be his representative. Living, active proof of who christ is you see those of us who've been saved have had the spirit of god sprinkle the yeast inside and we look different to the rest of the world in fact we are different by his power not because i did it but because he transformed me into something else and we are the very living proof that god is alive and has power And in fact, some ways, again, for those of you who like to bake bread, you know, you can take a little pinch off and mix it in with some more and it just keeps going. We are the very living proof that God is active in the world. We may grow weary waiting for the rest of the world to catch up. Man, i always like the things that are going on. But remember, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. It's easy to look around at the world and wish the world would catch up. It's easy to look around and say, why are these things happening? Oh, look at what's going on over here. And has fail to remember that we have a job to do, that we are to be spreading the spirit of God into the rest of the world and that it's not our business how long it takes. We are to pray and not grow weary. We are to walk and not grow faint. We are to stand firm on the gospel of Jesus Christ and wait for him to give the increase whether it takes time or not. And during that, we are to prove to the world who Christ is, how by our very actions, by sharing with them the spirit of God. And so as we come to a close and we remember, what shall I compare the kingdom of God? Is it like the leaven that a woman took and hid and three measures of flour until it was all leavened? It's the very nature of leaven or yeast to grow and transform whatever it contacts. And so, too, are we, the saved, living in this world, to sprinkle the Spirit as we can among those we can so that the process of change can begin. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, And we all with unveiled faces, behold, the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. And so maybe this isn't so much different. from My sermon last Sunday. I talked about how we are constantly caught in the mold that society wants to form us in. God tells us to be transformed. And here again, we're reminded that the Lord, we are being transformed into the same image, which is the image of him from one degree of glory to another. And that this comes from the Lord who is the spirit. Are you being transformed from one degree of glory into the next? Those who are here, who have a profession of faith, who have been saved by God's grace, we should ask ourselves, are we being transformed? It may not be comfortable for God to need us a little bit, to work into us the things that need to be done, to rearrange and then to let us prove to the world who we are. It's what we're called to be. With His power To be changed into what it is that He wants for us. To be transformed from one degree to the other. Maybe you say, Well, that's not occurring in my life. Well, maybe it's because, to take the other metaphor that we saw yeast being, we have some type of sin in our lives. Or maybe you've never been saved and you're still a hard, flat piece of bread. As we pointed out, yeast can be used to describe sin. And we understand it works the same way. A little bit of sin gets in. It permeates through everything and changes the very structure of everything. And so if you are sitting here today thinking, well, this little tiny sin, it's no big deal. I got it under control. You don't. You won't. Before you know it, it will change the very structure and nature of who and what you are from the inside out. And if you look through scripture, you will see this taught over and over again. It's not what's outside the body that defiles it, but it's what comes from inside. It's what comes from your heart. If you've never been saved, then that's exactly the situation that you're in. If you have been saved, then you must question, is this sin that I think I can handle it's okay. I've gotten along for years just fine. Maybe it has permeated the very essence of who you are more than you ever realized. Maybe it's the reason you look around and you go, that person has risen higher, has been proved more than I have. Why is that? Well, maybe the yeast or the leaven that you have inside of you is sin not the spirit of God Galatians 5.9 reminds us a little leaven leavens the whole lump if you have some type of sin in your life that is causing problems or that you don't even think is causing problems trust me just a little bit will that's why the scripture later on says to start new to pull out the leaven and the yeast that's bad and put new in Maybe this is a time today when you give over to the Lord the sin that has easily entangled you. If we take this metaphor again, just as I said at the beginning, it's not something that we're able to do on our own. It's something that the Lord has to do. And so we must give to him the things that are hindering us our sins, our desires, our evil thoughts, the things that come out of our mouths, the things that are inside of us that are causing us problems, we must give over to Him, to the power of God and the Holy Spirit to deal with, to cut that out. Because I don't possess the ability from the outside to tell the good leaven from the bad or to remove the good from the bad. It's the power of God that can do that, both for sanctification to be a better Christian and also for salvation. The one time event when he changes the very nature of who you are. And so as we have an invitation, a time for anyone who'd like to come to prayerfully consider what's in your life. Is it the spirit of God that's giving rise so that others can see who you are that's changing the very nature of who you are or is it sin that is in your life rising and permeating everything you are and changing who you are in a negative way because you can't have it both ways and so brothers and sisters i give you an opportunity i don't really give you the opportunity i give you an opportunity but it's god who gives you the call if you need to come and pray then come and pray If you need to do that at your seat, then do that at your seat. But whatever you do, do what it is that God, the Spirit of God, is leading you to do.